0: Welcome to the Avenging Hour! It's gonna take us that long. My name's Jason. I'm John. Thanks for joining us again. This is episode 185 of the Avenging Hour, where we talk about Avengers comics. And the comic we're talking about today is number 299 from January 1989. That's the end of my second half of my junior year of high school. You know what was weird? I uh, I, I was laying in bed uh, with my wife, and, as we do when we go to sleep, and... <laughs> I had opened, not this comic, I think it was the one we did last week. I opened it out of the bag and I was holding it in my hand and I opened it up and saw the date on it and I was like, oh my gosh, that was uh, 33 years ago. I bought this when I was in high school. 33 years is kind of a long time. I've been collecting comics since I was like five or six. And I, as I mentioned a week or two ago, I started buying older comics on eBay. Because I do that, you know, your phone learns things about you. <laughs> and my Instagram account now, when I click on the the search thing, it brings up, you know, you can scroll through whatever random images. And they're all of these comics that people have bought recently that they're all excited about. And they're all comics from like the 80s and 90s. And I'm like, well, who cares about that comic? And then I read the little caption. They're like, oh, I picked this one up for $30 or something. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I realize that these are 30-year-old comics. This was like, if I like me buying a comic from like the 50s and being so excited about it it was a long way to go just to talk about how old you
1: are it's crazy right i'm so old (laughs) i bought my first comic at the age of five in 1997 (laughs) you've aged very poorly (laughs) (laughs) it's so true but no one knows that they can't see me so as i mentioned this
0: is uh issue 299 do you um it's called I, I love New York. It's I called guess? I heart New York. Oh, Thank heart. you very much. Sorry. It's called T-shirt slogan and it's by Walt Simonson and John Buscema because John Buscema will die on this title. Um, it does your does yours have a printing thing? Well, I don't know because I'm looking at it on an iPad. But does the color look like that? It looks like oh, no, bands yeah. of red and then bands of yellow. You have a printing error in your issue. I've and I have even very weird.
1: strange and even when I had, because I had these issues in physical form many moons ago, and I don't ever remember seeing that before. But is it that looks like the whole like, way through, or is it just that page? Um, uh, this just that page. I no, it shows oh, wow. up again.
0: You know what it is? It's it, it's an issue with the cyan. Just yeah. the one pass, it looks like part of it's missing, and they're just because the rest of the color looks fine. But then whenever they try to add a red to it, it gets weird streaks through it. But yeah, it happens from, I thought it was some weird effect they put on to show, ooh, demons. No, no, that's
1: that's, that's what we call it, to call a printing error.
0: So last issue, we um, saw, I guess, what we would have called the beginnings of this Inferno crossover event. Yes. Although it, I, I feel like it has something to do with how close they are to the center of the city. Things get crazier the closer they get to
1: downtown. Yeah, well, it's not just that, it's that as Inferno goes on, does it get I'm, more intense. It gets more intense. Okay. So whereas last issue was a lot of inanimate objects coming to life, this issue it's just demons. There's it's full demons, on demons. demons
0: everywhere. It looks like all the gargoyles came to life.
1: And in the last, in the last two episodes, at the end of Avengers Annual Seventeen and at the end of Avengers Number Two Ninety Eight, Captain America twice came to the conclusion that he really should have a team of Avengers. <laughs> You know, to field issues of problems like this, to deal with problems like this. And at the end of issue 298, it said, check out Captain America number 349. Hmm. And really quickly, here's what happens to Captain America 349. Captain America says, I need to get a group of Avengers. Do I have (laughs) any friends? How many different titles does he have to say it in? (laughs) Right? Do I have any friends? Wait, I have one. His name is D-Man. Demolition Man. And he invites him to join the team, to join the Avengers. And before they can do that, they get called to the Arctic to fight Flag Smasher, and Demolition Man dies, or so we think.
0: He's not dead; he's frozen in ice. He'll come back forty years from now.
1: He actually will uh, <laughs> will come back. But yeah, in a, in a in a in a battle with Ultimatum and Flag Smasher, D Man goes down. Dennis Dunphy. But what? Yes, D hmm? D Man, Double D Man, <laughs> Double D D Man. Uh, but what that basically tells us is that Captain America, as we get into this issue, he is set on trying to trying make to make a team recreate. out of the
0: worst people he can find. <laughs> And yes. it comes to life in this issue. It really starts to. <laughs> so this starts out with, uh, oh, look, is that Reed and Sue Richards in bed?
1: Yeah. So we're, we start out actually in Connecticut. Well, I mean, we start out in New York really quickly to say, hey, look, demons. E- and demons. then we go to Connecticut. where At this point in time, Reed and Sue had decided to leave the Fantastic Four because they have a perennially four-year-old son, Franklin Richards. <laughs> it's Marvel time. He's been four years old for at least two decades. And... He actually, it's not, two, it's not been two decades. It's probably only been a decade at this point in time. They feel like they can't give him a normal life at at at, at the Baxter Building or for a Freedom's Plaza. So they quit the team. So he'll have a normal life in
0: Connecticut with his mom, who can turn invisible, and his dad, who can stretch around the building.
1: That's exactly right. Okay. So they they we see them tucking Franklin into bed and then talking about their how they're gonna have sex, which is really gross because it's like talking to it's like watching thinking about your mom and dad having sex. Reading Sue shouldn't be having sex.
0: I like this really sexist um, comment that they have here though, where she's like, "Don't let the bed bugs bite," and then when they get back to their own bed, read like mansplains to her about bed bugs. <laughs> Why don't women read comics? And right, and he's like, "My son," and she goes, "Your son." And he's like, yes, fathers get sons and wives get the daughters. That is the worst thing ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Reed is really a bad husband and really misogynistic. I have two sons and a daughter. And I
0: would say that maybe when they were younger, I was closer to the boys. But now, like, my daughter and I are. And I've noticed it with growing up with my cousins and that, like my cousin's kids, his daughter is much closer to him than his son is. You have two sons. Your wife has a daughter. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> she lets me borrow her sometimes.
1: So after watching this weird scene, uh, we head straight back to <laughs> It's York just City, two panels. It's very weird. Where the Captain slash Captain America is fighting demons. So does this just pick up from the last issue? Like are Jarvis and Glory Garson standing right by them? I guess so, because one of the first ones he fights is a motorcycle who's transformed into a robot, just like the car last mm-hmm. issue. That's... uh psy from the GoBots? We do not talk about the GoBots on this podcast. If there will be any transforming robot talk, it will be the Transformers. Thank you very much. Okay, what's the transforming motorcycle in Transformers? Mm-hmm. There was a technobot named Afterburner who nice transformed try. into a future motorcycle. Yeah. What's that, like the fourth incarnation of the Transformers? Future cycle. Psykill
0: was the main bad guy in the GoBots. Was he the main bad guy? I thought the main bad guy was... was I, I think so. You just,
1: may, I mean... I could be making that up. You may be very right, because the only one I can remember is Leader One.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that was the good guy.
1: Yeah. He was the good guy leader.
0: <laughs> I wonder how they came up with that name. <laughs> oh, Anywho. So cheap. Captain um, America. Uh, so he punches the motorci- uh, the robot, which turns back into a motorcycle, and then he rides it.
1: Yes. What? <laughs> it seems
0: <laughs> so dangerous. Like, couldn't it just turn back into a robot at any moment? You would think so. <laughs> Moments later, he's leaving New York.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: he, he um, I, so that he fights demons for, uh, fights demons and a motorcycle for two pages. And and, and he and,
1: does, I'm sorry, he does name check the Transformers because um, Marvel he? was publishing them at the time. Yeah. He says it looks like Transformers are all the rage this week. Oh, nice. Yeah. Not just, just Go- for that one week. There was no GoBots <laughs> comic. But yes, I'm sorry. Then he goes riding his motorcycle into the middle of mutant insanity.
0: And speaking of mutants, look at that. We John Pusima is going to draw the
1: new mutants. We are introduced to the new mutants. There are five. Sorry, One, there are six two, of them. Three, four. There are six of them. We have never met any of these characters before. And we're uh, going to give right. you a very quick summary of them. Because most of them haven't been around that long. Four of yeah, these they, characters... They started in,
0: what, 87? 82.
1: Oh, they've been around since 82? Yeah. Four of these characters first appeared in one of Marvel's graphic novels, the New, the new Mutants graphic novel, or graphic novel number four, in September of 1982. Those four are Cannonball, or Sam Guthrie. Uh, all these four were created by Chris Claremont and Bob McCloud. Uh, Sam Guthrie is a the son of a coal miner from Kentucky who has the mutant ability to blast forward like a cannonball. Basically, his legs like turn into fire and explode, and, he, and he's invulnerable while he's, while he's blasting. Wolfsbane, otherwise known as Rain Sinclair, who is basically a werewolf from Scotland. <laughs> Where do they all come from? Sure. Sunspot, his name is Roberto da Costa, who is Brazilian and has the power to absorb sunlight and use it to make himself super strong. And Mirage, uh, Danny Moonstar, who is a Native American who has the power to pull your greatest fear out of your head and and make you see it.
0: Yeah, I feel like she doesn't stick around much in that form because nobody can understand what she's doing.
1: Yeah, and then we have two other ones that appeared at different times. The first one actually appeared both before and after the other ones in 1982. Her name is Magic. Her name, uh, her real name is Alana Rasputin, and she is Cyclops. Nope. She (laughs) is Colossus's younger sister. And she first appeared in Giant Size X-Men number one back in May of 1975. But we really didn't see her because she was just there very briefly when they went to collect Colossus. She was just a little kid. We really see her as magic for the first time in Magic number one in December of 1983 by
0: Len Wein and Dave Cockrum. I'm
1: sorry. Len Wein and Dave Cockrum created her in Giant Size X-Men. It's Chris Claremont and Sal Buscema. Who do magic number
0: one? No, her mutant ability is that she has a connection to the
1: dimension of Limbo. And she creates teleporting stepping discs. Right. So she can teleport around. Plus, she actually knows a little bit of magic. She was Colossus' only sister who got kidnapped by Belasco, who is a demon. He's like the leader of Limbo, isn't type? he? Yes, he ruled Limbo, and he kidnapped her and trained her to be a sorceress. She eventually overthrew him, took over command of Limbo, and got herself a soul sword. Most of Inferno is all magic's fault. She basically lost control of Limbo, and the demons from Limbo are now coming to New York. So when did she become a demon? Because she's
0: got like a devil tail, and she's all red, and I don't remember her ever looking like that.
1: It's really only something that happens during Inferno, as her demonic demonic soul starts to take over her body.
0: (laughs) All right, and then the sixth character is the weirdest one.
1: And that is Warlock. He first appeared in New Mutants number 18 back in August of 1984, created by Chris Claremont and Bill... Sankovich Sankovic. Sinkevich. Sankovic. I never Sinkevich. he is an alien who's not technically a mutant no matter what they tell you he is part of the tech the technarchy the the technarch he is the son of the ruler of that Magus yeah the son of the magi, magus. magus 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 and basically he's a he's a techno organic being which means he's basically a robot with feelings he's, I guess he's like a transformer isn't he he can turn into anything <laughs> Uh, and the, the only reason he qualifies even half-heartedly as a mutant is that in his world, the sons kill their fathers to take over their power, and he refused to fight his father and instead fled to Earth. So mutated. So those are the new mutants. We're not going to spend any more time on them than that. Basically, Captain America sees them fighting demons, and he's like, hey, kids, fighting demons. And they chat a little bit. And <laughs> and the, the the new mutants gave him a very brief brief description of what's going
0: on. The weird thing is they're fighting and they, I guess they kill all the demons near them and they just stop fighting to talk to Captain. Yeah. And then they're afraid that he's going to reveal their secrets. He doesn't know who they are. He, They're all in costumes. I, what are they worried about? I suspect he doesn't care who they are. Why are they? He's like, don't worry, son. I'm not here to blow anybody's secrets. What? Who mentioned that you were?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's and and as you say, what secret? I mean, I no one knows what. There, you yeah. I don't. It, it's a very. It's it's three panels that or three pages that don't need to be here. Yeah. It seems like they're only here to do to, to explain. His, hey, you know, Inferno's going on. Did we tell you that? Because we will never see them again in this in this. Certainly not in this storyline. Most of them never again in this book.
0: Yeah, they give us like a, a couple panel recap here of what's happening.
1: And, that, and then Captain America's like, you know what? We need more superheroes. I'm going to go find some. <laughs> See ya. And another cutaway. This time, God help us, mm. to
0: Olympia. Mm. Olympia, home of the mysterious Eternals.
1: Is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is... Where is Olympia? Is it on Earth? It's in. Well, it was... But we'll see. Now it looks like it's in the negative zone, and we're oh. going to see them talking about it. Sure. In this issue and another issue, like it's in the negative zone. Nope.
0: Nope. Nope. Sorry. Read the read the headline, the caption there. Far away in the rugged mountains of northern Greece. So it is
1: Greece. Hmm. Well, that's what I thought. So is it like adjacent to Mount Olympus? Well, that was the idea because the Isn't that also in Greece. The Eternals were always were were people were confused and thought that they were. The Greek gods? Yeah, the Greek gods. Because, like,
0: Makari was like Mercury. Or they? Yeah, all, exactly. Athena was like Athena. They all have similar names. Icarus.
1: Yeah. So we see two of these for the first time. Oh, are we? Are you, oh, you got notes? I do.
0: Hold on so you can speak into the microphone.
1: What microphone? Are we doing a podcast? Oh, hey. So we first meet... First of all, Sprite. Mm. Sprite first appeared in Eternals number 9 in March of 1977. He is a Jack Kirby creation. He is the worst. The, he is just a trickster and a prankster. He's always drawn as this young kid who likes to have fun and he's like little Loki. Little Loki. That's a <laughs> wonderful way to describe him. And also we have here Gilgamesh, or the Forgotten One. (laughs) The Forgotten One. He first appeared in Eternals number 13 in July of 1977, also a Jack Kirby creation, who has used many names. He supposedly was a great hero of the Eternals and of the human world back in ancient times. But Xurus, the leader of the Eternals, decided that he was too proud and so confined him in Olympus, Olympia, for centuries.
0: So he's kind of like the Eternals version of
1: Hercules? Yes, except instead of being given. Uh, tasks, what the uh, labors. Instead of being given given labors to do, and try to or, or to try to make him a you know a functioning member of society, he's given a couple of Sudoku puzzles to figure out and put in a corner. <laughs> and he's like, I'm an idiot. I can't do this. And apparently, Gilgamesh was known as a monster hunter back in the day. Oh, will we be reminded of that over and over and over and over? <laughs> <I> just <laughs> it is infuriating. So Sprite comes rushing up to Gilgamesh and says, hey, there's monsters what? in New York City. Do they need someone to hunt them? And so he goes to Thena, who is currently the ruler of the Eternals, and she says, yeah, go. Take care of it. Whatever. <laughs> Whoever gotta, you are, I don't care. I'm going to go have sex with Crow. I don't need this nonsense. <laughs> so Gilgamesh goes and... We get a whole like
0: montage, it's like a rocky training montage. He, he makes himself a sword that he leaves there.
1: yeah yeah he never takes a sword but apparently he also makes himself some armor i don't know and then if you thought to yourself could there be any other weird obnoxious characters that could be put in this issue could we cut away again to somewhere we go back to connecticut where franklin's having a bad dream so he decides to sleep with his parents and just then a ship arrives which has Nanny and the Orphan Maker in it. Oh God! They first appeared in X Factor number thirty-one in August of nineteen eighty-eight. So just a few months earlier. They were created by the Simonsons, which I'm assuming is why they're being used here. I refuse to tell you any more about them because I despise these characters. Did they exist prior to Inferno?
0: Like, yes. unrelated to Inferno. Yes. But now they're still here taking some part in Inferno. Yes. Why?
1: Well, they're not taking part in Inferno.
0: They are here for Franklin. So Yeah, I know that, but all right, don't so... they want to give him to someone so they can use it as power to... So Nanny no. For the
1: demons? No. Oh no, the demons end up taking okay, never mind. So <laughs> Nanny was I believe... Oh, God help me. I was I believe like a child psychiatrist or a, a, a I don't know, she was Miss Hannigan from Annie. But she she <laughs> supposedly loved kids. Somehow she puts herself in an egg armor. Please <laughs> she looks like a minion. <laughs> it, it's so bad. And what she does is she goes to to protect children and she protects them. By killing their parents and then kidnapping them and encasing them in armor that they can't escape from, yes, forever. Her main minion is named the Orphan Maker, and he is clearly like a little kid, like a five. His name is Peter. He's like I don't know, five or six or whatever. That is encased in this incredibly powerful armor, and
0: his job is to murder parents and kidnap their children.
1: I mean, it is. He's called the Orphan Maker. It is right there in the title. Have PTSD. So, for whatever reason, Nanny has decided that they want Franklin Richards. Uh,
0: Because he has some sort of power? He's a very powerful mutant. I guess they can feel it? Yeah. It's not like she's just driving around
1: neighborhoods and going, that roof looks cool to land on. I wonder (laughs) if they have a kid in there. So, she sends the orphan maker to kill. No, she doesn't. She knows that there's a kid in there with a lot of power. She does not know these are the Richards, that she doesn't know any. That there's any superpowers involved except in the boy which is weird that she can detect the boys' superpowers, but not the parents, but hmm. be that as it may. She sends the Orphan Maker in. He disables their security system, which looks like it's one sensor on the roof. <laughs> he shoots that. He goes orphan inside. Orphan Maker climbs through an open window? He Yeah, right? Great And Reed will say in a few pages, he disabled my security system. It's like your window was open, Reed. Man... He picks up Franklin. I had a little bell taped to that window. How did he he get past that? (laughs) He picks up Franklin. Franklin does his power, which is at this point in time that when he's asleep, he can create a dream self. And somehow his dream self warns his mother enough that even though she's sleeping, she puts up an invisible force field to protect her and Reed from the orphan maker's bullets.
0: Right. And the overmaker's Maker's like, ah, crap. And he leaves.
1: Yeah, he's like, well, I guess I can't kill them. Gotta go.
0: Meanwhile, at the exact same time, the captain shows up at the Richards' house at like two in the morning. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> because he's desperate to get an Avengers
1: team together and he's probably drunk and doesn't know <laughs> where else to go. He gets in there. He so Sue's force field's still there and he touches it and it, dis- it dissolves. But before he even gets in the house, he drives up and he bangs on
0: the door. And he's yelling for Reed and Sue. And when no one answers, he's like, that's funny. He goes around the back of the house, you know, like you do to try to break into your friend's house. Sure. And he's like, there are cars here, but there's a smell of ozone and scorch marks on the roof. What?
1: Well, first of all. How
0: can he see the roof from where he's at? <laughs> I was at? just going to
1: say, whether or not he could smell ozone, fine. But he's standing on the, the ground. Uh, the upstairs window's been forced. How do you know? So, and, and how does he get in? So he then he's inside Third, the through house. The open window. <laughs> I guess. Well, if it's good enough for whoever broke in, I can go into. But in any case, he wakes up Reed and Sue, and they're like, wait, where's our child? Oh, I'm sorry. I ate him. <laughs> and
0: uh, Reed's like, him for these magic beans. Check the bed. Hun- check his bed, honey. Hurry. What's going on, Captain? You know who I am? Uh, yeah, you're dressed exactly like Captain America. And using a except shield. Except it's black instead of blue.
1: Yeah, I'm not a... Uh, smartest man in the world, <laughs> Hello. Steve. Uh, yeah, so th- basically they had security cameras that watched as the organ maker stole Franklin and flew away. <laughs> so Reed and Sue want to get their child back for whatever reason. Understandable. And, <laughs> and Steve Rogers is like, you know what? I can help with that. It's probably more important, more pressing than why I came here.
0: Let me jump in the Fantastic Car with you. The ridiculous looking foot-long hot dog Fantastic Car. And we'll fly away. Meanwhile. (laughs) Back in Olympia. Oh, look. Gilgamesh, the forgotten one, whatever, made a helmet that looks like a bull's head. Yeah, he's got a a, not a great costume. holy crap that armor is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not the worst costume I've ever seen, but it is pretty darn close. And this is where
0: it starts to happen, where I'm like... She's like, he comes in and he's like, hey, I'm going to leave. And she's like, oh, you're still here? What? (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. She's like, you're not going to take any weapons? And he makes some like, you know, Confucius say kind of weird thing about weapons and leaves. He leaves by flying away. I didn't know Gilgamesh could fly. Did you know anything Gilgamesh could do? (laughs) I mean, he seems like a Hercules guy. He seems like someone who stomps around and beats up like animals. (laughs) All the Eternals can fly.
1: So Weird. So I forgot, before we go any further, I forgot on the last page, when Reed is watching the the video of who took Franklin, he says it could be one of our old enemies seeking revenge, or it could be some new menace we've never encountered before. (laughs) Could be anyone, really. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, smartest man alive. It could be someone we know or someone we don't know. Looks like a ship. (laughs) I mean, I'm so glad we have Reed to figure these things out for us. Anywho, so Nanny goes, she finds Franklin... And he tells her his name and she goes, Franklin Richards. Oh crap. (laughs) What, What have we done? Whoops. And she's pretty convinced. I mean, she's pretty sure right away that, I mean, Nanny may look ridiculous, but she's not an idiot. And she's like, clearly you did not kill Mr. Fantastic and the invisible woman. And he tries to, the orphan maker tries to lie. And so she beats him with an electro whip. Yep. 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 She probably shouldn't have children. I think he peed himself. As as he should. Um, So she knows, Nanny knows that they're going to be the Fantastic or the Fantastic Two are going to be after her.
0: You know, my favorite thing about the Fantastic Car is that Sue and Reed get to sit up front, and then way at the other end of it, there's just like Captain sitting in a little thing. You know, it's like going on a roller coaster with your parents, and like you're at the front, they're all
1: the way in the last car. Well, and they're talking to each other as they're flying through the air with no cover on the car. So you know, he's like, Reed and Sue! (laughs) Hi, guys! Do you have any snacks? (laughs) They can't hear him. Anyway, Reed is like... They're
0: up front going, God, that guy looks ridiculous in that new costume. Who's he fooling? Like, (laughs) come on.
1: They catch up with Nanny's ship, and Reed's like...
0: Because it's shaped like an egg, and how fast could it possibly fly? I'm sorry, it looks like a bug. Is that Rover?
1: Yeah. Rover's gone mad. Rover's gone rogue. Reed's like, I know there's only one way to take that ship down and save my son safely, and that's if I shoot it out of the sky. I will drain it of all its electrical energy so it'll crash into that park and
0: kill those families. Yes, yes, exactly. If I can't have my child, neither can they. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, the captain jumps out of the Fantastic
0: car uh, from, I don't know, a mile up? I, yeah, right. I know we used to do this with early issues where we would, make, uh, we would explain pop culture references. Yes. Did, did you catch the one down here? About communion? Yeah. I did. Okay. I don't care. I don't either. It was a book that came out. Yes. About, you know, UFOs and such.
1: Anywho. So Captain America jumps down. He and the Orphan Maker fight. And I guess Sue gets involved with in the fight as well.
0: Why does the Orphan Maker look like Mega Man?
1: <laughs> Mr. Fantastic gets involved. Basically... For the love of God, three of the the most, three of the more powerful and, or at least certainly the more respected and experienced heroes in the Marvel universe are having trouble taking on that bleepity bleep, bleep, orphan maker.
0: A little kid in a robot costume. But they finally knock him down on his butt and he starts crying. Because he's a child. They're beating up a five-year-old. And then another robot emerges from the weird bug vehicle. We now have a new, yeah, a new red robot. He looks like Baron Karza from the Micronauts, but red.
1: He beats up Captain America. And then he shoots flame. Punches him in the neck. At the Richards' Electrifies Reed and pounds on Sue's force field because, of course, she can't do anything offensive. She just has to protect herself. Well, first
0: of all, she can't put a force field around Orphan Maker because he's protected somehow, but she can put a force field around this one. Look, Nanny had to whip that armor up really quickly. Uh, I feel like she's got, like, suits of armor just waiting for children. We also don't really understand how she indoctrinates
1: children this quickly, or
0: at all. It's weird. So, um, yeah, she manages to get a force field around this red robot, but the red robot is starting to, like, rip holes in the force field.
1: And it doesn't look good, but then Hercules oh, comes no. down in a bolt of light. Oh wait, no. Oh wait, it's no. That's Thor. Thor
0: comes down at wait, nope nope, 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 not Thor. Oh, it's the guy that wants to fight monsters.
1: Gilgamesh, and nothing screams monster more than robots in an egg. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, Gilgamesh shows up. Krakathum takes out the red robot.
1: And Nanny is telling, comes out of the ship, and she's like, Red Robot, get up there. And that's, the Red Robot speaks, and that's when we all realize that that's Franklin Richards in that robot suit. in there. He's a robot. Oh, no. End of issue. It's a face-off. Yeah, it's a face-off with Gilgamesh, Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, and Captain, or, sorry, the Captain, versus Nanny the Orphan Maker and Evil Franklin. Well, not really Evil. Just kind of stuck. Oh, he's evil. All kids are evil. <laughs> you should know that. Bullpen bulletins. Oh, there's nothing in there. It's only a half page. It's dumb. The only thing we know about it is that Ronald Reagan read, read the Spider-Man comic strip. Sure. Sure he did. Uh, as far as Mark's remarks, like we said last episode, it's yeah, more it, about women. It,
0: it, he's continuing his thing about women. And now he names, uh, let's see, who did I miss? Scarlet Witch, uh, Black Widow, Medusa, and I think he mentioned She-Hulk in there somewhere. No.
1: Uh, no, I think it's just Wanda, Black Widow, and Medusa. Yeah. Does he keep going? Does he talk about it? I could have sworn he brought up She-Hulk. Wow. No. Uh, he doesn't bring it because this is... And
0: the- he mentions them all and how they how they started out, how each character started out and like what they were. And then at the end, he's like, so you add those three to last month's roster and Marvel Girl comes off as the best all-around female superhero of Marvel's heyday. Does she? Yeah. Well, she might. Oh, there he goes. Then he's like, uh, has the Marvel Universe improved since then? I think so. At present, no female hero boasts her own title. Well, that's an improvement. Though She-Hulk returns to her own magazine uh, early this coming year here.
1: And also, again, let's take into account the fact that he makes a comment. He's acting like women can't identify with or like male heroes. Because you can. I have I know a lot of women who really, really love particular male heroes. Sure and i really really love a lot of female heroes i feel like that's again he doesn't seem to he just he just like
0: rattles off some female characters they have and then is like i think we're doing better than we were why don't you tell us who some of your favorite favorite female role model characters are what is what does that have to do with anything you got me someone's going to like write a letter in and say how much they love betty brant i don't <laughs> i mean they could
1: i wonder if she could star in the jarvis book ah uh. Betty Branton Jarvis. Is there any uh, did There were no letters, letters letter- I thought that, were interesting? No,
0: they're all just kind of like, oh, you broke the team up. Uh what are you doing to Black Knight? That sucks. And Dr. Drew was a jerk.
1: <laughs> Those are all the letters. All true. Yep. All true statements. So, next uh
0: next episode, this is all gonna come together. Big issue three hundred. Perfectly gel in a sixty four page spectacular. Oh, I cannot wait. All right then. Let's wait till next week. Um, if you have any questions, comments, feelings, recipes, anything you want to share with us, our uh, email address is avenginghour at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Avenging Hour. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. bye bye